0: it's a destination we are finally here let's go what's good everybody Welcome to the first live episode of Destination Dynasty. As always, I'm your host, Scott Conner. Very gracious to be here. Very happy to finally be on YouTube. I know it's been a long time coming. A lot of people have said, when are you jumping to YouTube? When are you going to come and take live questions? I've gotten so much love and so many messages over the last three months since I started this. Tons of direct messages. I apologize if I've gotten some that I haven't gotten back to you on. Uh, I've got a lot of long DMs of, hey, let's go through this roster construction idea. Hey, here's a roster, kind of help me walk through. I've tried to get back to as many people as I can, Uh, but we are finally here for a live episode, and I know there's a Sunday night football game coming up, not as much intrigue now that Seattle won, probably not as much for the Lions to play for, obviously, so Uh, We'll probably plan on going for about 45 minutes tonight. Uh, This is going to be a pretty regular thing. I can't promise every single week, but most weeks. I think the off season is a perfect time to kind of just gather and brainstorm. I'll do some episodes where I just release them as podcasts, but quite a bit, probably at least every other episode, if not three times a month, I'm probably just going to go live on Sunday nights for an hour pick everybody's brain. I'll come up with a couple topics. I do have one in mind tonight. It's going to be talking about 2023 pick strategy between now and probably March till we get combined data, kind of what do you do with draft picks and the theory behind it. I see a lot of people already making what, in my opinion, uh, are mistakes in startup drafts, uh, mistakes in dispersal drafts. Uh, So we'll kind of talk about that um, as we get into the episode. But I want to take questions tonight. Uh, I want to get follow-ups on roster construction, follow-ups on anything I've talked about. What's on everybody's mind? This is the time of year where everything is starting over. You might have teams where you're really disappointed in how they performed, but you get a reprieve now. Everything is hitting the reset button. Same thing. If you have a team that's won a championship and you're probably sitting there going, man, this won a championship, but there's some holes on this team. I'm not sure how it won that title. So now I got to get back to the grind. Uh, then we have a lot of people that are dumping leagues, adding new leagues, doing dispersals, all that fun stuff. So it's a really, really fun time in Dynasty. You can sit back, enjoy the NFL playoffs, hope players don't get hurt in the playoffs because obviously that impacts their Dynasty value over the summer and going into next year. Uh, but it's kind of the the, the favorite time for me, uh, the reset time. So shout out to a lot of people in the chat that have been here that have supported me. I'm going to highlight some of those people uh, in the chat and then we'll just go ahead and get started on some questions. I'll take some questions. And in the meantime, I'll take some questions uh, some feedback on anything that I've talked about thus far on the show. And I do want to talk through the 2023 rookie pick strategy for the next couple months. Uh, South Harmon fantasy football. We know these guys shout out to Mike and Adam. Uh, appreciate you guys always being there, giving me shout outs on your podcast. Uh, great, great getting to meet you guys over the last year and uh, collaborate and look forward to a lot more of it. Eric. What's up, Eric, my co-host on America's Game. Shout out to Eric. He does so much behind the scenes to help me out, uh, whether it's in my leagues, whether it's with some of the content that I do. He's been a contributing member on my Patreon channel for over a year doing his own content, and now he's shining with America's Game uh, on the Destination Debbie feed. So check that out uh, if you don't already subscribe to it. Dynasty Barry. What's good, Dynasty Barry? Really, really vital to D.D., in running all of our mock drafts, Um, he's going to be able to kind of shine over the next couple months. He's got all the mock draft data that DD's put together. We can start comparing that to a lot of the other sites that are doing the same thing. Uh, And I think we can get an edge. We've talked about so many times over in the Discord about how we can use that data to kind of help us just to figure out some of the biases that people have on rookies. That's another thing that I haven't really talked a lot about on this show, but it's fascinating me now with a new edge in dynasty. There's not really an edge in being able just to say, I know more about players than you. I know more about trade values than you, but I think there is an edge in saying I can exploit other people's thinking. I know where the biases are in terms of this player or that player. So some of that data that dynasty berries helped us gather over the last year uh, with our rookie mock drafts is really, really vital. Shane Manila co-host on formerly mannequin chill, uh, co-host on dynasty trades in five. Um, uh, A person I would say I spend more time with than anybody. And that includes everybody in my own family. I spend more time a week talking to Shane than anybody else. So shout out to Shane. Thanks for being here. Brody, what's up? Appreciate you being a supporter pretty much everywhere. I mean, I see your name around pretty much anywhere I go. Uh, So shout out for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, Another shout out here from Ty. Mike and Adam, best chemistry in the fantasy space. Ah, Man, I can't argue. I cannot argue. That is one of those podcasts that I tune in every week to listen to. And a lot of it, I sit there and go, hmm, I can learn from that. But I also just enjoy the chemistry that they have. You can tell those guys are like best of friends. And they absolutely enjoy like just talking to each other. And they're both so passionate about Dynasty. So there's a bunch of people out there. Shout out to everybody that's here. So let's go ahead and get started. If we have any questions in the chat, I'm going to highlight a couple of them and answer those as we go on. But what I wanted to talk about to start was this idea of 2023 rookie picks and what they're valued at right now. And I think where we have to start with that is the flaw in thinking, who am I going to be able to draft at that pick? Everybody immediately goes, oh man, the 111. Who's going to be there at the 111? Any of us can go through and look at mock drafts. Any of us can go through and pull up a site like Mock Draft Database or a draft countdown or anything that's kind of tracking where the mock drafts are headed. And we all kind of have an idea of what's valuable profile wise and what's not. So obviously, you know, first round quarterbacks at all that matters, unless you get one of those one off second rounders. But for the most part, you got to be a first round quarterback. Wide receivers. I typically look at wide receivers have to be top 50 top 50 picks. Sometimes guys can go a little bit later than that, but let's just say top 50 picks for receivers is where the cutoff is. Tight ends. Tight ends, usually the sweet spot is you're looking for a first round tight end or just a draftable tight end probably is a guy that you want to go in the first two to four rounds. And then obviously there's some caveats with how you scout tight ends. And then running backs. Running backs are tricky because I think with running backs, we've now expanded to a place in Dynasty where running backs are they're twofold. There's the guys that you're drafting really, really high, the guys that get the first round draft capital. So maybe you get, you get Bijan this year in the first round. Maybe you get Jameer Gibbs in the first round. Those are outliers though. And I don't necessarily think that matters as much as just getting the prerequisite draft capital to make you draftable. Sure. I'd prefer a second round running back over a fourth round running back. But once you get to a certain point, I think running back evaluation flips to just situation, And then the profile, and then you're basically just putting that running back into a certain group. And we've started to see, as I've talked about on the first couple episodes where I highlighted running back scoring for this year, it's coming back to the pack. The elite running backs are coming back to the pack. But the mid tier running backs are kind of all jumbled together, meaning you want to build your roster around having enough of those running backs, but you don't necessarily want to pay for the names that are going to ultimately end up in that range. So it's been coined the running back dead zone. But it really is just now about finding enough players in that dead zone at a cheap enough cost to build around your right roster construction. And I think that's where a lot of picks in this class are going to fall. So for that, I'm looking at second, third, fourth round running backs even. I think we can go to the fourth round now and say, okay, if all I'm looking for is a guy that can maybe give me four starts a season, a guy that's in a 60-40 committee or even a a 50-40-10 committee, which is gross. But if that's where they're at, then I'm going to put that player probably in the first two to three rounds of a rookie draft. So back to my original point of how do you treat 2023 picks right now? So we're talking from this point until let's call it combine time. So let's call it early March. How do you treat the value of those draft picks? And here's my strategy. I'm going to do a lot of startups. I'm going to do a lot of dispersal drafts. And I think for me, it's not about what running back am I going to be able to draft. It's not about what receiver am I going to be able to draft. The quarterbacks are a little bit of a one-off. We know the quarterbacks, if they all go in the first round, they're all going to have a certain level of value. They're probably all going to be top 10, top eight picks in every single draft. But aside from that, looking at the picks and saying, okay, how do I use this to leverage the fact that my roster construction might still need a little work, but why is an advantage to have rookie picks? So put it this way. If someone in the chat can throw out a name, let's say I'm in a 12-team super flex 10 starters, 1.75 premium. That really doesn't matter for the purpose of this exercise. But let's see something in the chat on, give me a name that you really are confident you're going to get at 109 in this year's rookie draft. Throw out some names. I know there's people out there thinking, oh, if I'm at 109 or I'm at 110, what type of player you think you're going to get at the 109? Brainstorming? JSN, maybe. Quentin Johnston, maybe. Andrew says Zach Evans. Maybe a maybe a little bit too aggressive for Zach Evans, to be honest. Barry, Devon A chain, maybe. Michael Mayer, definitely. Nicholas says Michael Mayer. I think he's gonna be available. There's gonna be people in a 1.75 that are looking to take him there. Wyatt, I agree. Kaishawn Boutet, yes. Adam Quinton Johnston, yes. DD, wow, who put this in there? That's me on the DD account. No, it's somebody else using the DD account. Addison, possibly. Ty, JSN, yes. So I think uh, a lot of the the thoughts, depending on someone else said Will Levis, James, Will Levis. Yeah, I can see some Will Levis falling. I think Will Levis is one of those guys going to be very polarizing. It's going to depend on your league. Some leagues, he's going to go 105. Some leagues, he's going to go 109, 110 because people just don't want him. There's a sector of people out there going like, I, I'm i not taking Will Levis. I don't care if I need a quarterback. I'm not using my rookie pick on him. Uh, if I do, it's going to be a begrudging pick and I'm going to probably try to trade back out of the pick. But I think the idea is you're already thinking of names that you can get and you're trying to reconcile. And I talked about this on the last episode or the last part of the last three episodes. You know, if you're picking at the 101, what are you doing with that pick? If you're picking in the top, six, two through six, what are you doing with those picks? And then you're picking seven through 12. What do you do with those picks? Take it a step further. If you're picking in the second round, 206, 207, what is that worth? You know, we're not talking best ball here. We're talking a lineup league. We're talking a start 10, just to kind of give somewhat of a baseline, but you have a random 207. What does that work? And I think a lot of times when we get into startups, when we get in We see these second round picks that are sitting out there on the board. And you're going, man, I'd much rather have that player over this second round pick. And you start looking at that individual player. I'm trying to think of a player that would fit the range of somebody worth a 204. Let's say Kadarius Tony, for instance. You got a decision between Kadarius Tony and the 206 in a draft or in a startup draft. And you're looking at the roster construction and you're saying okay I could kind of go either way you're not having to get a receiver there you can stay a little flexible with the pick what do you do what's the strategy and I see a lot of people and I mentioned this on America's game the other day and I'll reiterate it someone I really trust in this industry that really isn't around too much but anybody that's followed uh, DLF back way in the day 2015 2016 you might have remembered a name by the you might remember a guy by the name of Brian Malone And Brian Malone always would say, if you're doing a startup draft between January and March, you want to leave with half of your picks being draft picks. And when I first joined and I first started playing, I sat there and I was like, man, that's tough for me to do. That's tough for me to take the 207, the 208, the 209 over a quote unquote proven player. But I think I'm starting to really understand that, especially now, especially when we know what this draft class is going to look like. And especially when we're starting to understand roster construction better in a lineup league. And I think a lot more people are trying to play that way. That's part of why I brought this series to DD. It's one of the passions that I have from playing Dynasty on the level that I do. A lot of leagues for a lot of money, trying to play it like a stock portfolio, right? And so if you're doing that, And you have, let's say you have 50 leagues or even 25 leagues, but you have five of those leagues that are just starting up between now and March. You're going to create five new teams, whether it's a dispersal or a startup. Doesn't it make sense to have the flexibility of the pick? And I think that's the theory. I think it's getting away from comparing player to draft pick or vice versa. So I think in that regard, you do want to be proactive in trying to get picks. This is what I talked about on some of the shows with liquidation, right? you have some of these players. Someone posted in the chat, Andrew. Oops, not Andrew. There we go. Andrew, 206 is a fine reroll on Kadarius Tony. I agree. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would say I'd pay the 206 for Kadarius Tony, especially if he goes out and has a decent game in the playoffs or something like that. But I think if I'm looking at this, I'm going, man, give me the 206 at all times because it gives me so much flexibility over the next couple months. Now, that doesn't mean if you have to end up making that pick, that you're going to end up with a better player than Kadarius Tony. You may get burned, but I think the idea is you have so much opportunity that might not even have presented itself yet in your league. You have so many potential moves and so many things that could change between now and even the start of the league year, which I believe is March 14th this year. Tons can happen before then. I would rather be holding picks. So I think that's the main strategy. And this doesn't just apply if you're doing a startup. This doesn't just apply if you're doing a dispersal. This applies in your active leagues, in your leagues that are already there. Go through. That's why I did that series talking about wide receivers, talking about which ones were on the fringe of roster clogger status, talking about the quarterbacks, which ones are likely to get jobs, which ones aren't. But that's where you want to try to get as many picks as you can. And forget about the players that you're going to get. Think about it this way you're probably going to be able to draft a receiver like Kadarius Toney at the 206. He may not be as good. He may be a lot better. But I have a lot of confidence that the profile is going to be very, very similar when you get there. And I think that's the idea that you want to follow here. This totally changes once you get closer to the season. You start going, okay, where do I want to have these picks? Do I want to have them ready to go for the season? Or do I want to plug some holes before we get to the start of the season? So I think that's the biggest thing. I see a lot of people making mistakes. They do startups. I see the picks and I go, wow, why aren't they just taking rookie picks? It should just be rookie pick, rookie pick, rookie pick. Once you pretty much get past the idea of getting the core players, it should almost all be rookie picks. I have confidence that I can turn those rookie picks into the type of placeholders, especially when you're talking some of these running backs where we don't know what jobs they're going to have, we don't know what their backfields are going to look like. And then some of the receivers, guys like Michael Gallup that's a guy you'd probably go, oh, I'd pay the 208 for him until you realize why would I pay the 208 for him right now when he's probably not worth much more than the 208 in May or June. And I can already see what Dallas does in free agency in the draft. Like that's the type of name that could really burn you if you give up the rookie pick for now, because we all know what it's like when we're on the clock. Are you getting the 208 for Michael Gallup on the clock in a draft when you're going, hey, does anybody want to trade a pick? Everyone knows what the tiers are going to look like at that point. You're not going to get those deals when you're closer to being on the clock, unless it's a tier break and it's an obvious move for the other team. So, think about that. That's my biggest takeaway over the next couple months. And I've cut out some leagues. I'm joining a bunch more leagues. I've joined a bunch more best ball leagues. So, the theory is slightly different. But this is going to be my biggest goal over the next two months is going through where can I find draft picks? 23 picks? Perfect. 24 picks? Sure. I'll take 24 picks. Worst case scenario, I have a 24 pick next October when it's week four, and I might need to buy something. I have two extra seconds next November when it's close to getting to be my trade deadline. I'm not a big fan of trade deadlines, but a lot of leagues have them. Week 11, week 12, Thanksgiving, I need to buy a running back for a second. Okay. Like I'm the one that has the extra second. So you can get a lot of extra value by doing this, just based on the time. And if you can pull these deals off in February, think about how much more leverage you have in February than you would trying to pull this deal off in July or August. So that's just what I wanted to say on rookie picks. I'll pretty much take the rest of the episode to take some questions. I have some highlighted in here. Uh, so shoot out, shout out any questions you have, any roster construction ideas, anything you want me to discuss. Uh, and I'll try to get to them. Uh, like I said, we'll go for about 45 minutes just so everybody has a chance to tap into the Sunday night game. Uh, did get a question here from Buck Bucks. Let me pull that up. Buck Buck. Appreciate your super chat. My friend uh, highlight Buck Buck. Uh, he's always on our dynasty trades in five streams. Uh, Buck Buck. Appreciate the question. 12 teams, super flex, half PPR start nine. Give the 105, 201, 205 Jacobs. Gino and Ra receive Jalen Hurts. Buck, Buck, you're smashing this deal, my friend. You're smashing it. You're giving up a lot of pieces, but this is basically one of those where you're pulling five or six things from you know, the bottom of your bag and you're going, hey, can I exchange this for a $10 bill? So I love this deal, man. You're getting Burrow with Jalen Hurts in a start nine, half PPR. Yeah, you're giving up a lot of shots at running back, but depending on the, uh, the theory on you know where your league is at with running backs, how many roster spots this is, one of the other things to keep in mind with a deal like this, we all know doing a five for one in a start nine is advantageous to the person getting the one, but it's even more advantageous if this is a 26-man rosters, 28-man rosters. Think of the number of potential waiver pickups or spot starts that he can pick up just by adding guys off waivers. With those extra roster spots, so it comes down to what's the value of a roster spot. So I think this is an awesome deal. I think you take this. I'm shocked somebody would offer you this, but you know we're getting to the point where people are excited to have rookie picks. So I would smash this deal. I think everybody would agree, doing whatever you can to get one of those BAM tier quarterbacks. So good job on that one, Buck Buck. What else? I got a highlight. Ray tapped in. He got off the DD feed and came onto his uh, personal account. Auction everything. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say that um, I, I'm i not excited to do a snake draft. We're doing the Royal Rumble dispersal right now, and it's a six-person snake draft with a, let's just say, depleted pool. But I'd rather do that with six than do a 12-team super flex startup, kind of like we did on America's Game the other day. Because it's uh, if you go back and listen to that show, I think Eric and I had a really good discussion on what to do if you're stuck on the end. I know Ray said, I don't want to be stuck at the 111 112 but if you are you almost have to commit to building a team totally different than everybody else there there really isn't an option for you to chase what the teams at 101 102 103 104 105 are doing cuz if anything they're sitting there going that's what they want you to do they want you to go oh I'll take QB 11 QB 12 QB 13 off the board because I'm scared that I'm not going to get one So with auctions, you're going to prevent that. With auctions, you can go get whoever you want. You can build your team however you want. Uh, And they're expensive. I mean, we're doing our uh, second USFFL best ball auction right now. And uh, let's just say, if you want to get two elite quarterbacks, it's probably costing you 85% of your budget, at least 80% of your budget. And that's for 32 man rosters in best ball. So, you know, buyer beware, but if you want to do it, you can. You can pay up and then you can kind of pay the Piper later if you don't get a lot of other players to fill out your roster. So, what else we got? I got another question here. Tom, 12 team Superflex PPR startup. If you can't draft a QB from the elite tier, what would your strategy be? Well, I was just hitting on that, Tom. You know, if you're stuck, you're stuck in the 111 or 112 spot, and no joke, it's going to go QB, 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 QB maybe. 109 doesn't go QB, but it's possible that they do. For me, there's an elite tier of nine quarterbacks that I would take before any other player. But then when you get to 110, 111, 112, you might see a team go Jefferson. You might see a team go Chase. You might see a team go 101 or Bijan. So I think you just have to determine where you're going to be at. And if you're at one of those spots and it goes like chalk and you're at the 111 and it goes 10 QBs before you pick, fade, zig. Zag when everyone else is zagging, like you got to go the opposite direction. The worst thing you can do is chase. The worst thing you can do is go, man, I got to match that team that, you know, got Justin Herbert or got Patrick Mahomes. And I know they're going to come back around and they're going to get a good receiver and a good tight end. I got to get a quarterback or I'm not going to get one. I think you got to go the other way. You got to just draft the best assets you can. So if you can go Bijan, I know Eric in his draft, he went Bijan, Justin Jefferson, you know, or you go Jamar Chase, Bijan, you do something like that. And you just commit, you're building your team different. Obviously in best ball, it's a little different. You can probably do that and get away with just getting volume at quarterback. But even so, like you got to commit to build a different team. And that's not just in round one and round two. It's going to cascade. It's going to go to round three and round four. There's going to be this game of chicken where it's like, man, I don't want to be the one that has to draft QB 14, Kenny Pickett, QB 15, Mac Jones. Like those guys are going to come off the board, but you still don't want to be the one that's chasing those in round three round four, just because of their placeholders. I mean, go back to the quarterback episode that I did. Once it gets to that point, it's dropping off to where, you know, you get to QB 18-ish, that's basically like replacement value. Sure, you might have some long-term job security, but in a startup draft, I don't want to pay a round three price just because I think I'm going to get an extra year of QB 18 or QB 20. Nah, I'll just wait. I'll just wait and things go wrong big deal. I go ahead and try to draft the higher tier quarterback next year in the draft. Like that's kind of what you have to do with where the current landscape is. So appreciate the question, Tom. Let's see, what else do we got in here? Patrick, interesting question from Patrick. What does your trade timeline look like? When do you buy picks for cheaper? Yeah, this is a tough one, Patrick, because I think the, the time to buy picks for cheaper, you'll get different answers from different people. For me, what I think I'm going to do, especially with the value of these 23 picks right now, I think the time to buy picks cheaper is going to be after, and this has been the case from the last couple of years as well. Go back to the 2021 draft. Everyone remembers that draft. T-Law, Fields, Lance, Chase, Najee, Pitts, ETN, Javante, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Those were the top 10 picks. Pretty much consensus across the board. You might have had a couple people that went Jalen Waddle or Devonte Smith or Rashad Bateman. But if everyone remembers back in 2021, even 2020, with the five running backs and Burrow and Tua, there was a tear break. And you might have seen the tear break coming during like rookie draft or NFL draft time. But once you got to on the clock in your rookie draft, especially if you were one of those drafts that... Was a couple days after the NFL draft, or even a week or two after the NFL draft, the tiers have already been set. You have enough content out there. You have enough leagues out there. By a week after the NFL draft, we have crystal clear tiers that are starting to form amongst the dynasty community. So if your draft is mid May, you kind of already know how it's going to go. And it's almost like, man, if I have that 108 and I know the tier break is at the 107, I'm kind of screwed. But then what you see is you start seeing that 107 and that 108, the value starts to really separate. And you have people with one track minds going, man, I got to get one of those quarterbacks. Man, I got to get one of those top three running backs. And they start overvaluing those picks within those tiers. So to answer your question, I think one way to combat that is to trust the profile and not chase the players. Not be so certain that we know that this player is going to be better than that player because, well, the dynasty consensus says that it's true. The tier doesn't necessarily have to be what the consensus is saying. Fade the tier. Can you maybe get two picks in the next tier for one in the tier above it? And you may end up with three players that are going in the first round of NFL drafts, but for some reason, one Jameer Gibbs is not worth, you know, is worth more than, two other receivers, one going in the mid first, one going in the late first. So I'm just giving you an example. If Jameer Gibbs gets an awesome landing spot, and then there's a receiver that, you know, I guess goes to the Titans or goes somewhere where we're not excited about the situation. And all of a sudden that receiver is Marquise Brown from 2019. That receiver is Brandon Iuk for 2020. Those are first round picks, but nobody was really excited about them. So they kind of were just there and i think that's where you can get an get a value on draft picks because people are fading the tiers so fade the consensus that's my message that's my answer to your question fade the consensus so whenever you start seeing a consensus form on picks that's probably when i'm going to probably buy them cheap and a lot of times that's not going to happen in the next couple months because every pick's going to be super valuable everybody's telling them this story about how that 109 is going to be within that elite tier so i don't think over the next couple months is where i want to buy picks but once we get to on the clock the day of your rookie draft, when everyone's so certain that they have to have one of the top seven picks and you're sitting there at the 106 and the guy at 109 wants to trade up. Okay. Don't just rule it out because you have to get one of those six players. You're pumping your fist going, man, I'm safe with the 106. That guy with the 109, he's screwed. But what is he willing to give me? Especially if you're playing in a portfolio, especially if you have 15, 20 leagues, take a little risk. Leverage that pick. Leverage being outside of the tier because really the only difference in the tier is everyone thinks they know what's going to happen. So there you go, Patrick. Thanks for the question. See, what else do we got? Let's see. Time to buy chip picks. Yeah, Tim answered this question. Time to buy picks cheaper just ended. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're still going to have people that are thinking they're selling high on picks, but Yeah, I think for the most part, the next couple months is going to be rough. That's why I was talking about at the beginning of the show. If you can move players for picks over the next couple months to take the discount on what you think the value should be, you know, trade the player away for a pick where you go, man, this is the random 209. I have no freaking clue what I'm going to get here. That's okay. That's okay. There's a lot more you can do with that pick, whether it's on the clock or, you know, whether it's moving it to another pick or kicking it to a future pick. Like there's so much more you can do with that than just a random player. So I agree. If you can do uh if you can do that type of stuff now between now and March, definitely try to do it. A couple other questions here. Let's see. Oh, here we go. I got to start favoriting these. I got to be better at uh, putting these in the favorite, favorite line. Adam, Scott's such a legend. So much can be learned through his content. Appreciate that, bro. Appreciate it. Got a question for Bridget Allen. Thinking about liquidation season, 16 team, 1 QB, start eight 18 man rosters. Give Dobbins for the 115. Well, good question, Bridget, because this literally challenges what I'm just saying. My first inclination is it's a 16 team, 1 QB, and it's the 15th pick. So you can probably go down the line and project what type of player you're going to get. I have no issue with this. This is one of those perfect deals that's right on the fringe. Like a lot of people would go, man, that's the 203 and a 12 teamer. It's a one QB. I don't know how many QBs are going to go before this pick off the clock. I'd rather have Dobbins. I'm totally fine re-rolling here. You have no clue what the tiers are going to look like. You also have no clue in a start eight. Is there a potential that I can move that 115 with another piece to move up even higher? That's what you're foregoing if you say, no, I'm going to keep Dobbins. Because with Dobbins, you have one player. You have a player that could get hurt in the playoffs. You have a player that might not look good in the playoffs. You have a player that you have no clue what their situation is going to look like. There's only so much one player can do from a value perspective. But a 115, not only can the value go up, can also go down but it's really flexible. It can be added to stuff. It can be switched out for other types of flexible assets, whereas Dobbins, not so much. All right, got some super chats. I'll make sure I get to these uh, for sure. South Harmon Fantasy Football, appreciate you guys. Embracing liquidity has changed my life. Appreciate you, Scott, making us all Dynasty players, uh, making us all better Dynasty players with all you do. Appreciate that, guys. Uh, Right back at you. Uh, Again, check out their show. Uh, South Harmon Fantasy Football, they have their own Patreon. You can check that out. Uh, but also check out 4D Chess on the Destination Devi feed. Uh, drops every Friday. I usually listen to it on Friday mornings. I think it comes out uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, drops every single week. So check that out with Adam and Mike. A couple others. Oh, Ray. Ray with the $50 super chat. Bouncing it out right back to his own Destination Devi. Let's see. Talk about the 2023 QBs versus the fringe QB ones, Lance, Dak, Kyler, Watson. How should we value them? And when do you see us as having the higher ceiling or the highest ceiling? Well, this is a tough one because I think we all know the four first round quarterbacks if they all go in the first round. And right now it's looking that way. It's looking like they're all going to be top 20 picks. That's probably conservative. Honestly, I think it's probably decent shot. They go all in the top 15. But then you're sitting here going, okay, I have the 103. How do I value that relative to Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Trey Lance? Trey Lance is a complete wild card. Like Brock Purdy looked good again today. Like there is a narrative that people are already talking about. What if Brock Purdy goes on and wins the Super Bowl? What's that mean for Trey Lance? Like Trey Lance is pretty risky. So I think for me, the way that I'm treating it is I'm still going to prefer, especially Dak and Deshaun Watson. I would still give up the 101 for Deshaun Watson. So there you go. Like he's clearly ahead of all those other rookie quarterbacks. Dak is probably a 102 guy. Like basically I'll give somebody the option if they want to if they want to take the 102 and take their shot at any rookie in this class, I'll I'll give them that and I'll take back Dak. Kyler's probably the same thing. Um, I do think with Kyler the injury makes it to where if you have the pick, you have a little more leverage. I think I've seen people talking about trading Kyler away for, you know, 103, 104, simply because they don't want to sit on a guy that potentially could be out for half the season next year and not really be somebody that they can count on much. So if they're going to do that, why not just take a shot on CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? Like 2024, if they're all kind of on equal footing, you may have, you have a really good chance of having an asset that's worth just as much in 2024. So I get that. And Lance, man. Maybe I'm a little bit conservative on Lance. I know I just took him in the Royal Rumble startup, but that's because I don't have a lot of Trey Lance in Dynasty. So I looked at that more of kind of like a portfolio move. I I have a hard time taking Lance over any of the four rookie quarterbacks this year. Kind of just feels like his clock is a couple years ahead of those guys, but he also is going to be starting from the same spot. And that's what I'm having to wrestle with a little bit in my mind, because at the same time, we're pumping up, The San Francisco situation is like literally the best situation in Dynasty. And he's there. He's there. He's going to have McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. So all he has to do is basically show up, win the job, and why can't Trey Lance be a top five quarterback? So I think he's extremely boomer bust. I almost think you can just throw him in the rookie pool. I'd be curious if Ray talked about this uh, on a future episode on Wake Up, just about if you were going to throw Lance in this class, forget about what we've seen thus far. If you're going to throw Lance in this class, but you're going to put him on San Francisco and the other four are going to random spots, truly, where would you put Lance? And that's a question I I think I'd prefer the rookie pick, but that's more from the flexibility standpoint. That's not evaluating player versus player. So good question. I think this is the one where you really have to look at your roster. You know, you could argue that if you have three of these, I just gave up a team in Dynasty where I had Dak as my third quarterback. That might've been one where I would have gone, you know what, I'd be fine taking, you know, a 103 and a future second or something like that for Dak just because of the roster construction. But in a lot of other leagues, if you're searching for a QB, we've been saying it all year, like, don't go into this class banking that you are going to remake your quarterback room with these rookie picks. And I think that's where you kind of have to make a decision. Now, if you can get Dak in the fold for the 102, it's expensive, but I have no problem you doing that type of deal. Let's see, what else do we got? Got a bunch of questions in here. Cobra Kai says, good podcast with Eric a few days ago. Appreciate that, Cobra Kai. Adam paid 20 bucks to talk about, or have me talk about Cam Akers. Yeah, I mean, here's the here's the dirty for Cam Akers uh, for me, is that he's always going to have this kind of mysterious stink on him that I don't think he's going to be able to shake, fair or not. I think that you're going to be disappointed if you think there's going to be anything more than just Cam Akers is a good player. Cam Akers is a guy I'd pay a second for. Cam Akers is a guy I want to have shares of in Dynasty. But I think the the unfortunate part for him is that it took him basically all year to show anything. And it took a running back landscape to completely change over the last two years. Not only did Cam Akers suffer the injury before his sophomore year, but he basically missed two seasons from a standpoint of maybe his value is back to 75% of what it was before his second year going into this off season. But that's even less relative to what the current running back landscape looks like. Like I look at Cam Akers is he is one of 60 or 70 running backs that I want on rosters, but there are 55 to 60 of those that I really don't care which ones I have. And that's no joke. Like if I'm comparing him to a guy like Devin Singletary, they're the same thing. I'd want the cheaper one. And you can insert a million names in there. And that's maybe where I dynasty just a little bit different than others. But I think that's the problem that he's facing. Like, what do you expect out of Cam Akers? What do you expect? Where do you expect him to go? Do you expect the name to carry a little bit more weight? The situation, that's the other thing is the situation that he's in right now. It's not a situation that you can even fool anybody into buying into. Like they may buy into the player, but then they go, yeah, you know, there's some risk with the Achilles and all of that. But then there's also a bad situation to go along with it. So it really isn't, I don't hate cam makers at all. I actually bought some cam makers uh, when he stepped away from the team. I was able to acquire like three shares. I was down to, I believe one share of cam makers and I'm back up to five now. So I did buy some, but I bought him at a price point where it was like, okay, I can get him for a third and a running back that's currently starting you know, like a Zonovan night or something like that. Like that's the kind of price I was buying at. And that's just simply because I think he slots into one of those, those places where he's worth at least a second, because you're probably going to be able to get multiple spot starts for him or from him over the next couple of years, but that's it. Like, I really don't think he ever ascends to anything above that. So that's my, that's my take on acres. I know there's a lot of acres love out there. Uh, hit me back later if you think there's something different or if you think he has capacity to go higher than that. I just don't think he does. And I, and it's not even about him. It's just the running back position. I, I, it's hard to say. Only like 5% of running backs right now can gain value in my opinion. So that's just where we're at with the position. Hasn't matter any less than it ever has before. Brian with a quick question. He owns picks 1, 2, 4, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Doesn't really know what the format is here. At least you didn't say what the format would be. Uh, But what do you add? Open to give pick two and something small for Jefferson. What would make it a fair trade? Brian, I need to know more about your format. If this is a super flex, I'd give the 102 and probably start with the 111, 112 and let the person decline. And if they work me all the way down to the 109, I'd take that. If they worked me down all the way to like the 104, I would even consider that uh probably if this is like a start 10 or less i'd be fine with the 102 and the 104 uh if it's like start 11 or more and it's a super flex league again i'm excited to trade for justin jefferson i'd give up the 101 for justin jefferson i'd rather give the 101 and like the 112 than i would give up like the 102 and the 104 and this is assuming that this is like a a, a somewhat deeper league call it start 11 start 12. If it's that, then definitely these picks have way too much value if it's super flex. If not, if it's a one QB, start eight or something like that, then you're basically doing whatever you can to get a couple hammers. So that would would be where I would differ on the trade. So fill in on the format and uh, let me know if there's any follow-ups to that and I'll see if I can get back to you. Dynasty Hot Sauce Pod, shout out. Larry Monkey has his own podcast. Check that out. Um, Are you buying these retread running backs like Deontay Foreman, Cordero Patterson, Jarek McKinnon, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson? Uh, the answer is yes. And the answer is I'm trying to collect as many running backs as possible. If you've listened to any other roster construction stuff, I'm looking right now. I've cut out some leagues, but I'm looking at my current portfolio right now. So just to share with everybody, across my 47 leagues that I have right now, I am rostering a total of. 74 different receivers. That's it. 74 different receivers. I have basically gone through and cut all of the other roster cloggers. And there's a couple in here that I could say are potential roster cloggers. I just haven't had a chance to dump them yet. The Isaiah McKenzie's, John Mechie's, Khalil Shakir's. There's probably half a dozen or so that I'm still carrying that are technically roster cloggers, but I've really slimmed it down. On the contrary, running backs. I am carrying... 109 different running backs. So to answer your question, yeah, it just depends on what's the price point. Uh, This is going to be a deal that I'm looking to do in leagues between now and probably the start of rookie drafts. Can I get two or three of these guys on your list for a single third? And I probably have to go a little bit lower, a little bit less sexy. You know, McKinnon, Deontay Foreman, Cordero Patterson, Mostert, Jeff Wilson, all of those guys were pretty helpful to, to teams this year in certain spurts. So I don't think they're going to be given away for, you know, picks that are anything less than thirds. Like if I had one of them on a roster, I'm not selling them for a fourth. At the same time, there might be opportunities where, especially if you have like a 302, 303, 304, and it's close to being on the clock and people really want to grab that Isaiah Spiller or someone like that, this year's version of that, that's where you go, okay, I'll take the crusty guys. Uh, And I talked about this on our America's game where we did the AFC and NFC um, breakdowns of every skill player. What you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of guys, especially a couple of those on your list, potentially, they're going to be NFL free agents. There is no incentive for a team to sign a guy like Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson or Jarek McKinnon. Now, those guys may re-sign with the situations they're in right now because those teams happen to really like them, but insert whatever name you want, insert the Samaje Ryan of the world. He may just be an NFL free agent until we get to like August. Because, why would a team give him a deal that's actually worth signing? Or why would they promise him anything when there are so many running backs coming into this class? And hate to say it, but hey, Samaj P. Ryan, there's 10 of you on free agency. Why would we give you anything more than a million, million and a half per year? And if I'm a running back, if I'm one of these running backs on your list, and I believe every single one of those guys on that list are free agents, Samaj P. Ryan's a free agent. If I'm one of those guys, am I really going to sign for a million a year, million and a half per year? probably not. I'm probably going to be a little bit picky about what situation I go into. Why would I sign for $1.5 million on March 18th when that team could literally go in and draft two guys that are going to be competing with me for a roster spot? Two guys with fresher legs, two guys that are bigger, two guys that are faster, two guys that are better receivers, whatever it might be. So I think we're going to have like this push and pull with running backs where teams don't want to pay them, but guys also don't want to sign until they can kind of wait and see what the situations are going to be. So when you can get your hands on those guys, there might be a market, not right now, it's not going to probably be able to be done in March or April, but if you can, if I can get two of these guys for a third, I would do it. If I could get three bodies on the the draft clock for a third, I'm going to do it. Because Eric and I talked about that a lot, where last year we didn't do that. We just drafted 25 shares of Ty Chandler. You know, we drafted 15 shares of Kyron Williams. Now, some of these guys worked out, like your Isaiah Pacheco's worked out, your Jalen Warren's worked out when you picked those guys up in the fourth or on waivers. But a lot of the ones that we drafted, we just sat on them. Jerome Ford, Keontae Ingram, Ty Chandler. Like, why, why did I draft 20 of those last year? It was the right play to keep drafting those running backs. But do I really need 20 of them? Could I have maybe looked at the veteran route and saw where I can maybe get a two for one? So I think that's something to think about with your seconds, but especially with your thirds and fourths. You know, don't be so married with just getting any bodies that are in this year's draft. Look at the open market. Maybe somebody's chasing a rookie. Maybe somebody's chasing a receiver or a tight end. See if you can get two bodies. See if you can get three bodies. Take the random Mike Davis, Damian Williams. Take those types off their back of their roster. Have them throw them into a deal. Like that's how you get your roster construction up. That's where you get your roster construction flipped to running backs. It's not just waivers. It's doing trades like that, like two for ones or three for ones. So let's see. What else do we got here? Um, Hmm. Trying to scroll through to see if there's any other really good ones. Kyle Senra, full press fantasy. Shout out to Kyle. Thank you very much for the comments. Great show. Appreciate it. Uh, Oh, Ray put one up here. If Purdy somehow leads San Francisco to the Super Bowl, Lance is going to be on a short-term leash from that fan base. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one that I kind of have a fear with, with Lance, is it almost feels like Purdy's going to be able to just sail this team to the Super Bowl, or at least make a deep run into the playoffs. And whether he's the one that got him there or not, it's not going to matter. You know, we talked about this with Jimmy G, like, man, if he wins a Super Bowl with San Fran, they got to bring him back. And now it's Brock Purdy. But the other thing with Brock Purdy is he's on a rookie contract. He's a seventh round pick. That organization is set up to absolutely smash if they know they have Brock Purdy lined up for three more years on a rookie deal, they're already set up perfectly because they have Trey Lance on a rookie deal. You know, it's not like Lance is going to be expensive anytime too, is when he gets to his fourth year, the contract's going to go up a little bit, fifth year option, they would have to commit to that. But still like they're already set with potentially two quarterbacks. Even if they have a quarterback issue between the two of them, they're already set with a cheap quarterback uh, situation for the next couple years. Lights out, Andre. Quick question. Would you offer Lance Ayuk in the 106 and 205 for Burrow? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, It is a 10 team. 10 team, we get a lot of super fuss questions in 10 team. The leverage isn't as high in a 10 team because the demand isn't as high, right? Like there's only 10 teams. But at the same time, unless this is like 13 starters or something like that, this is probably equivalent of, let's say it's 10 teams start 10. That's the equivalent of 12 teams start nine. So yeah, I'm fine doing a four for one like this. And probably that 205 is outside of startable range. So really it's a three for one. You're leaving in all the risk outside of, you know, basically you're getting off Lance for a quarterback that you know what his situation is going to be. You know where he's going to stand. You're locking in a top six quarterback at that point. So good deal with that. A couple others and then we'll get out of here. I know I said I'd let everybody go at 830. So we're pretty much getting to the end of it. Uh, quick question from Jonah. How's the 2023 upside looking for the Browns and Watson? That's one that's going to be kind of interesting to follow because there's a lot of rumors that Stefanski is going to get canned. I didn't necessarily buy it, but yeah, looks like it's very possible. So keep an eye on that. I'll just say this. I'm not somebody that's going to go out there and defend Deshaun Watson about how he's played, but it does seem... Pretty common to see people taking victory laps on Twitter about Deshaun and how bad he's looked. And it's the same people over and over and over. Oh, Deshaun's not that good. He's not going to ever be the same. I'm still going to go back to the well before he was out for two years. Deshaun Watson was arguably the second best quarterback in the NFL. If you're factoring in everything that comes with a quarterback, we're not talking about, is he better than Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? No, he hasn't had better careers than those guys. But if you factor in the fact that he was 27 years old and what he put up in the first four years on bad teams, like he's arguably, even after this year, he's going to end up being in the top eight or nine in career EPA. And he was inside the top three before the season started. So there's been some others that have jumped ahead of him, like Burroughs jumped ahead of him. Justin Herbert's jumped ahead of him. At the same time, though, like I just have a feeling that he goes back to where he was. Maybe not all the way back, but to think he's just lost it—that's not the case. We've seen a lot of guys take time off, and they eventually get back to really, really close to where they were. Two more questions, then I'll jump out of here. Fizzle Dollars put this one up there. Shout out to Fizzle Dollars, good dude. He's always on the wake-up stream. Uh, always asks really good questions. Participates in the chat. Appreciate you seeing here. Appreciate seeing you here, man. Uh, Is there a such thing as having too many picks? Two-year champ and I've traded back again and again to stack picks. Have five firsts and 23, uh, now down to three 23s and five 24 firsts. To answer the question, no. The only time where it works against you is if you're already up against the roster limit and you're already up against the point where you're starting to take discount deals just for the sake of rescuing your roster construction. So you always want to be looking at okay, when is going to be the maximal time I can trade these picks, given that my need, league knows that I can't make them all, or given that my league knows that I don't want to make them all. And I think that's where you start looking. And it, it's a good thing you mentioned the, 20, the 23 first, that you had five and now you have three, and now you have five 24 first. I always see this where we do roster reviews on dynasty trades in five, and you get people that have like nine 23 they They're just stacked with picks. And a lot of times their question will be like, well, What do I do with all these picks? And they start going through the players. Man, I'm going to get four quarterbacks. I'm going to get JSN. I'm going to get Quentin Johnson. I'm going to get Jordan Addison. I might get Michael Mayer, and I'm going to build this dynasty. Really, that's not what you should be doing. When you have nine picks, or even in Fizzledaw's case, he has five or had five, you want to be looking at those strategic shots you can take against the teams in the next year or two that you don't trust are going to be able to build contending teams. And I don't want to pick on anybody specific, but go in your league. You know a couple teams and you just look at their roster and you go, you know what? I'm going to bet against this manager. You know, I know this guy over here. I've seen how he builds his team for the last three years. I'm just going to bet against him. I'm going to bet that he's not going to be able to execute enough to move that pick outside of BAM tier range. So all of a sudden, you've been able to hand select that 23 first. And a lot of times, My experience is if you have five first, let's say you have the 103, 106, 107, 110, 111, okay? Obviously, you want to go and trade the 111. That's the one you want to move for a 24 first, but don't get greedy. If you identify one of those teams and you go, man, this team sucks, They only have one quarterback. They don't have any other draft picks. They don't know how to roster construct. They usually make bad trades. It's not somebody that grinds the waiver wire. Like this is probably one of the worst two or three managers in my league. They finished third to last this year. They're willing to trade their 24 first. Don't get greedy. Don't ask for that 24 first by giving them the 111. Of course, you want to give them the 111, but what are the optics of that trade, right? Of course, they're going to want the 106. They're going to want the 107. So compromise. But think about what you're getting. If you can move that 107 for their 24 first, maybe they throw back a second to you or maybe you switch a couple slots in the second or in the third or something like that. But really the lottery ticket that you're holding is worth 120% of the pick you traded away. Because then the pressure's on them. Now they're at the 107, you have the 110, and you have the 111. Okay, you're not going to get your choice of those players, but let them make the decision. So I think that that's the type of move, don't get greedy. That's the type of process move where if you can pile up a couple of those future picks, all of a sudden, you may have a beastly roster and you're sitting on the 101 and the 103 in 2024. That's how you really, really get the high leverage deals. Now, this assumes you can't move you know, your extra picks for good deals on players. But if you're trying to like alleviate some roster spots and really color up the value of your picks, if you can go a year ahead and estimate the bad managers and try to get their future first, then you really, really have the vice grip on them. So good question. Fizzle dollars. Appreciate that. Last one. Jared posted this even before we started the stream. So I didn't want to forget about it. Jared, thank you for the question. Who's a good running back to target at the one Oh seven in a start eight one QB league. So I put this question for the end for this very reason, Jared, I, I can give you names, but there are so many running backs in this draft. There are probably seven or eight running backs that could go in this range that I have no clue which ones I, could, I, I would take right now. So just say that you're looking at the 107. You have flexibility with that pick. Don't lock yourself into a receiver or a running back necessarily. You can take a receiver. You have the flexible asset. So I can give you names, but I wouldn't even be looking at that yet. Shop it around. See if you can move up a slot. See if you can move the pick for something else. See if you can go to a team that has a veteran running back. I have no clue where your team is at, but I just, I, I, nothing against your question, but I don't really want to even look at the names because the names are obvious. You know, Devin A. Chain, Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby, Kendra Miller, Kenny McIntosh, Chase Brown, Blake Coram, if he declares, Dwayne McBride, Izzy Abaconda. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of names. There's probably 15 names that could be there. Sean Tucker. Like there's so many that could jump into that range. I have no clue. And I think it's going to come down to probably minute differences in draft capital and landing spot. So just kind of start thinking in that regard and not thinking so much about what players you're going to be able to get. Uh, And I think you'll end up being a lot happier with that pick because you have so much more flexibility than locking yourself into a couple names at this point. See if we have anything others that any other questions that are worth putting up there. If not, we'll go ahead and end this one for the night. Uh, tch, 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 yeah, Shorts put this up there. Trading for non-contending first is a si- non-contending first is a science in itself. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is the one of the biggest EV moves you can make, and a lot of people don't want to do it because they think they're taking risk. Uh, but going to those picks where you feel slightly uncomfortable with trading away that pick for a future first, but it really is just how much of an educated bet is it against the manager that holds the pick that you're getting. So that's it. It is a science. It is a science in picking out those managers that you've historically seen not really build great rosters and just betting against them. And then just kind of hoping that the status quo remains and all of a sudden you end up with, you know, you trade a 108 this year and you end up with a 102 or 103 next year. Then you're really really cooking with gas. So appreciate the question. And yeah, Mr. B, I did meant running back to target with a trade at the 107. And I know he uh, wasn't really clear on that, but I guess start at the very top. Like that, that's the thing is I don't even really want to buy running backs at this point. Like sure, if I can get McCaffrey or Barkley or one of the young guys, fine. But shy of maybe five or six running backs in Dynasty, I, I no interest. No interest. I can get Ken Walker, Travis Etienne, Barkley, McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall. There's my list. Anybody else? No, thanks. I'm fine. Just waiting. Cause I'm very confident I'm going to get a pick or a player at that pick, or at least have more opportunities to get a better deal down the road. So just don't even focus on a specific player with that pick now. So apologize if I misinterpreted uh, that question, whether it was a rookie or whether it was a trade target. That's it. We're almost an hour in. I always say 45 minutes and I end up going an hour typical for me, but uh, appreciate everybody who signed on tonight. A lot of good questions, pretty good participation in the chat. Uh, thanks to everybody that jumped in. Thanks to everybody at DD that helped me set this up. Shout out to Jay Rich. I saw him in the chat. Uh, he created the banner. Love the banner. He created the overlay. He got me all set up to go live. Uh, we'll be back next week for another live episode. I'll try to get the, uh, the topics in if I have anything specific I want to discuss. Uh, but we'll have playoff football in the books next week. So probably around the same time. I'll announce the time a little bit later. It could be a little earlier. It could be a little later, just depending on the playoff schedule. Uh, but appreciate everybody for coming in as always check out the newsletter at DD uh, it's all beehive slash subscribe. Check that out. Patreon.com slash all gas. You can check that out as well. And uh, yeah, come over to the Patreon. If you want to join in there, a lot of good content, all the content on the destination. Debbie Re- Devi feed is awesome. Uh, so check that out five or six podcasts going every single week uh, with different approaches Not just me, not just Eric and I, but a lot of different people. And there's going to be a lot more coming from DD uh, this offseason. So appreciate everybody. Shout out to everybody that jumped on. Shout out to everybody with the team that just supported me. Uh, And until next week, we will go ahead and sign off. Be chill, everyone.